Hi, this is Jeff Stone of Grandpa's Fried Barbecue from the Panhandle of Florida, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet wiener. Oh, listen, Laverne, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. Welcome to the second hour, everybody. It's the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about live fire stuff right here every Tuesday live from 9 to 11. It's being recorded, by the way. So if you missed the live show, you get the first hour on Wednesdays. You get the second hour on Thursdays. But I would encourage you once in your life, if you've never heard the show live, to tune in on a Tuesday. Why not? Hit me. What have you got to lose? It's so fun. You never know what's going to happen live. Certainly when you're hearing it. On podcast, it's happening as it happened, but it's already happened. It's not live anymore. It's recorded. Somebody might have spoiled something for you, and now you're racing back to hear it. Once in your life, I would say tune in to the live show and see what happens. It's 9 to 11 on Tuesdays, Eastern Time, so you can make your time zone adjustments as necessary. Once again, coming up on the show in about 13 minutes from now, Dave Bosca. From Butcher Barbecue, also the creator of Wild Seasoning. You would recall that Dave and I had a conversation about Wild Seasoning. That's more of the game-style rub. So if you're into that and you didn't know that Dave has a additional venture in the rub market, it is Wild, and that's W-Y-L-D-E, not W-I-L-D, W-Y-L-D-E. And if you are just a fan of the Butcher Barbecue website, if you go to butcherbbq.com, there is a Wild Seasonings link. On the navigation top right, and click on that. It'll take you right over to Wild Season. So that'll be Dave coming up here shortly. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter. Also on TikTok, which I haven't really used too much yet, but I have it. And I'm fascinated with watching videos that other people make. Some of them are incredible, very talented stuff. Some of them, They're really hoping that somebody likes them. But people are getting a lot of views. There's there's something to be said. You could be TikTok famous if that's up your alley. You could do it. It's new enough. People are still getting into it. A lot of things going on with it. There are uh, everybody in travel volleyball that is a girl. And I'm sure it's guys too, but I'm just surrounded by girls. They're all doing TikToks, racing from a restaurant, dining area to the bathroom where they do some 10-second TikTok video. Do I sound like a TikTok video? They're all doing it, and they don't give one shit if you are 
uh, if they're blocking anything or you're in there, they're in your way. If they're in the middle of TikTok videos, blinders are on. They don't see anything. They got to get their dance moves in or they got to lip sync, whatever the tune they have set up is to. And they're all doing. And the blinders are on. So if you see a group of girls all dancing the same to a phone that's 10 feet away, just stop and wait until it's done. Don't bother trying to push through that. That's a waste. They're doing it. They're all doing it. It's crazy town. TikTok, man, get into it. So good. Guy the Cooking Sam says, a lot of leggy gals on TikTok. That's a good reference right there. Guy the Cooking Sam. That's a great reference. I get it. Okay. I wanted to do this earlier, but I got lost in my words. Uh, I told you last week about the feed issue for the best of show. Let me see if I can pull this up. All right. So this is, oh, no, that's not. This is my main website, the bbqcentralshow.com. If you don't want to use a podcast app or a native podcast app, depending on what operating system you have, Android, iOS, whatever, you can subscribe on, I don't know if this is for every show or podcast out there, but at least for mine. If you go to my website, all the way up at the top right, right here, there's a button that says subscribe. You click on that. Now it will take you to a different page, and it's going to list out all the different ways that you can subscribe to the show. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Android, Stitcher. Here's what I want to draw your attention to. This one right here, second one from the bottom, says by email. That's right. You can subscribe to this show by email. You don't have to use any apps or anything stupid like that. All you do is go to the subscribe page like I just showed you. Find the light blue tab that I'm hovering over right now. And if you're listening on podcast, you can't see this. I apologize, but listen and remember the steps and you can do this. And then click by email that will take you to this page. And it says right at the top, subscribe by email. All you have to do is put in a valid email address, just like that. Click the I agree, and then hit the blue subscribe button. It's just that easy. It will subscribe you. So when new shows are in the feed at that point, you will get an email alert, and it will say, uh, here's your Barbecue Central show uh, update or something to that effect. And then you're all set. You don't need to have an app in order to. If you don't like it, I don't know. Maybe you're an email person. All you have to do is subscribe to the email. And then as soon as it updates, the next day you'll get an email in your inbox. And it'll say, the Barbecue Central Show is updated. And here are the most recent shows. It'll give you maybe three. And you don't get them every day. So once the feed updates, then you will get them, okay? Easy stuff here. Really good. So if you want to subscribe to the show outside of apps, do it by email and the steps I've just recounted to you. Also, coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, folks, we've made it to episode 110. How about that? Wow. Taking you all the way back to August 30th, 2011, 
Daniel Bennett at that point was a guest on this show, and we talked a lot, a lot about chicken. And what was funny is that we were talking with Mark Anderson last segment, and he said, you know, competition is something that is really stymied food creativity or has made it such a, a bastardization of what it should be. But that's competition barbecue. You know, do you cook, as he said, do you cook the same barbecue at a competition that you would cook at your home? No. In fact, in this episode, as we talk about chicken, you will hear DivaQ say uh, right in the first couple minutes, what we make at competitions is nothing I would make at my house. The, the chicken that we make in competitions, I think she said something to the tune of, is a bastardized version of what we would make. It's braising, it's butter, it's sweet, blah, blah, blah. All stuff that we wouldn't normally eat. But she likes to score, so she will honor the system that will score her well and then prepare her chicken like that. Outside of that, crazy talk. So we have Danielle Bennett coming up in this Friday's edition. So if you want to hear how we were talking chicken, what is nine, oh, eight and a half years ago, you got to make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast, however that is, through the regular apps or through email now, as I've just told you. Then, hey, fun for you. You get to hear DivaQ. Maybe you're already subscribed. I thank you for that. And uh, John Solberg continuing to dazzle with the best moments. Here's what I want to ask you. If you're a routine listener to the best moments, I want your feedback now that we are uh, going to be five episodes in this year. As we turned the year, if you didn't know, uh, John and I made a command decision through uh, no input from anybody else because we operate unilaterally. Taking the show to the 10-minute, actual 10-minute, used to be two 10-minute or less segments, so a total of around 20 minutes. But how do you like the 10-minute overall commitment or a little bit less? I think most of them have been a little short of 10 minutes, so it's fitting right into the title. Best moments of Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. What I've found is when I listen to it Friday on the way to work from my house and then 10 minutes out, by the time that segment is done, however John has masterfully put it together, I'm looking to click to listen to the entire show, which is kind of the goal here is to regenerate some listens on older shows so you can always get an idea of where the show came from or how did the show sound uh, eight years ago, nine years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. That's also the secondary hope. Fun, exciting, extra content in the feed, but also making sure you're getting a wide, broad, that's redundant to, history of the show through the best moments. And you can get it done in 10 minutes. That wets the whistle a little bit. That's good. That's what we're looking for. So I want your thoughts on how you think the new is going. Since the State of the Union address is going on, I think it's only fair that Greg should have a State of the Union address in his open segment. We've missed the opening segment already. There's a there's a State of the Union address tonight? Like the presidential State of the Union? Oh, cripes. Dave Bosca coming up. Oh, in the open segment. Sorry, open. Got it. 
Before we get to Dave, I want to talk to you about BigPapaSmokers.com. The one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. Curated by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. Award-winning rubs, American-made grills and smokers. They got everything you need. They have 13 perfectly balanced flavors of rubs that turn ordinary meals into extraordinary. They have a great relationship with Steph Franklin over at Simply Marvelous. You can pair Big Papa's and Simply Marvelous rubs together. Now you have the West Coast offense. Everybody loves that. Big Papa's also owns Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're sick and tired of the same old stuff that you find in the grocery store shelves or what you might have in your local mom and pop fireplace and grill shop, head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com and order up a case of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. It's great by itself, but also make a great base sauce if you're like somebody likes to uh, mess around, if you will. Build on a great base. Now, if you're looking for smokers... That are easy to use. Check out that Mac Two Star General Pellet Grill. We talk about it all the time. Big Papa is the exclusive Mac dealer online, and even offers special packages. Nobody else does that. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, try the Old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're not sure of what grill you need, you call them and ask. Get consult 877 or shop the website BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. By the way, <clears throat> on the heels of back-to-back grand championships, and you go to KCBS.us for Team of the Year standings as we are into the first week of February, sitting atop the KCBS leaderboard on February 4th, 2020, is none other than Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. Big Papa Smokers leading the way one month and four days in. Great. Good job, Sterling. Keep it up. You only got 10 more months to go. And you're in California, and there's hardly any competitions, and they're shrinking quick. Nevertheless, Dave Bosca coming up out of the break. Stick around. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue Bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, this portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield, makers of fabulous pork. You can get it anywhere. You go to smokingwithsmithfield.com, and you can check out what's happening with competition stuff at Smithfield. Again, that's smokingwithsmithfield.com. Again, smoking, S-M-O-K-I-N, smokingwithsmithfield.com. Dave does not appear to be online, or we're having issues once again with Skype, but who knows? We'll see. We'll give him a little time here. And then if he doesn't show up, we'll summarily make fun of him. It'll be terrible. Still not there. All right, let me see. You know, Dave is different time zone, so I do try to be very diligent when I talk about Eastern time zones. And I think at this point, with most of my guests, I'm pretty sensitive to whatever time zones they are in. And I know that Oklahoma is one hour behind me 
Then you get in the mountains, they're two hours. Then you get onto the left coast, they're typically three hours behind. Uh, Lance, are you still in the chat room? What's Hawaii? Is Hawaii five hours behind, or is it actually farther than that? I know we've had a time change recently, so. You know. I think, but I think Hawaii is like five hours. I mean, in the opposite direction, Hawaii is uh, almost the same time difference as England, just in the opposite direction. Hawaii might be like five hours behind. All right, let's see what happens here. We go to the hotline and welcome in friend of the show, longtime sponsor, Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue. Hey, Dave. Hey, Greg. All right, I can uh, hear you. Hit the camera button at the bottom there so we can see the movie star good looks of Dave Bosco. Well, I don't know if that's going to do any good. What are you talking about? Look at that guy. Oh, you got a whole situation going on. That's that's the Dave Bosco podcast look, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll call it that. Yeah, I like it. You got a whole studio set up. It's kind of like we're on Twit uh, TV like the tech guys do, and they have everybody's all set up like they're very professional. So I certainly, from a host perspective, Dave, as you can understand, I certainly appreciate when people go out of their way to sound great for the show. Um, I want to talk to you about the podcast, but we'll get into that here in just a second. Let's talk a little bit of business first. Uh, you are obviously the longtime creator of uh, Butcher Barbecue products. We started out with injections many, many, many years ago. We've since morphed into sauces and rubs and more sauces and more rubs. And then last year was also into the wild game uh, seasoning portion. So from a business perspective, as 2019 came to a close and then you're looking into 2020, uh, how did business close out for you last year and how are we looking or what are we looking for in 2020? I think it closed real well. I had a good move by buying the warehouse icon. Um, it was a lot of headaches at first. I'm getting an echo, so I'm gonna pull them up. All right. I, uh, oh goodness. Um, sales wise, I was up double digit. Oh, wow. We made a good move with the warehouse. I'm happy with the way everything that's going. My brother came to work for me. I'm extremely happy with that because I got someone I can trust out there. Someone that understands the product, that's a, that's a huge part. Sure, no doubt. Uh, we did start our sister company. We're calling it sister company, The Wild Seasoning. After we got it up and rolling, attended a couple trade shows with it. There's one change I wished I would have done, but, you know, hindsight 2020, it'll be what it'll be. Uh, is it something that you would have had to have fixed at startup, or is it something that you've overcome since then? No, it's nothing we've overcome. What it is, I wished I would have not done the summer sausage seasonings on the first round. I wished I'd have done jerky spices. Uh, just from a sales standpoint or like not, yes. not as high demand for summer sausage? Um, I think there's more of a demand for jerky than there is summer mm-hmm. sausage. All right. Uh, I mean, uh, jerky's. I don't know why, but I seem to be hearing a lot more jerky commercials than I've ever heard in my lifetime. I'm hearing them all the time, especially on a lot of the sports talk shows that I'm listening to. Uh, and it's a real push on good protein uh, versus taking in shakes or eating protein bars or something like this. They're marketing at least as, well, here, uh, take these great strips of beef and we've seasoned them and smoked them well. And you can get your protein that way instead of taking down a shake. Are you? I don't know if you're like a big health guy or not, but do you believe in jerky being a, a potentially better protein source than some of the other stuff? 
Oh, it absolutely is a better protein oh. source. And as you can tell, <laughs> I am not exactly what you would call <laughs> world-class athlete. There you go. I'm a barbecue athlete. Yes. All right. I got that. So uh, we would have gone with the jerky instead of the summer sausage. So is that something that you're going to keep then? Or will you, could that phase its way out of the line? No, at this point, I'm definitely going to keep it. All right. I've got it into some uh, stand-up display mixers we've got going. And the jerky spices we've started testing already. I'm wanting to have them by the first quarter or through the second quarter. What's the key to good jerky? I like a full flavor. I'm not a sweet jerky person. Um, teriyaki's huge in flavoring in it, but that's just not my go-to. I like a black pepper, personally. Are you a uh, eye of round jerky guy, or what's your choice cut of, well, I say choice, not in grade, but like, what's your favorite cut to use for jerky? Eye around or top round. Okay. Uh, not necessarily, is it whatever's cheaper at the time? There isn't like no. a big discerning difference for you or uh, end product? No, either one of those would be, it makes a great jerky. Do you need to get the jerky cutting system where you can... I don't know if you've ever seen these, Dave, uh, but yeah. you know what I'm talking about. I don't know if everybody else is, but so you get this, uh, you know, long uh, rectangular looking thing and it's got rails on it and you sit the meat down, but it holds it up just enough and you can slide this knife that comes with it and it's like a cutting guard and you can get these very thin slices and you can vary the thickness a little bit if you add the spacers up on it so you can get a thicker cut. You take one out, you get a little bit thinner cut. Uh, do you like those or, I mean, should we be little bit more manly about it and just kind of eyeball the cuts manly is not the right word but what i do is good i cut my jerky <laughs> i cut my jerky spices to the size that's going to fit on my dehydrator tray or my smoker racks so i just lightly freeze the uh bulk meat and then it slices a lot easier all right uh so when you bring the jerky stuff to market is it going to be something that would be akin to like a high seasoning so everything can be done in one package? Or what's going to be the best way to do an eye of round or a top sirloin or whatever? That's exactly probably what's going to be like. It's going to have the cure. It's going to have the flavoring. It's going to be all in one jar. All right. And is it, does it really only take like a you know, couple hours to set up? Or like what's the, the best time to let the cure part set in? To give you a good product. Yeah. It, you can do jerky in probably two hours. It's according to how thick it is. What you're doing is trying to cure it to keep it from spoiling during the cook process. Mm -hmm. uh, now, are you a guy that would cook on your FE cookers or do you have a special like jerky dehydrator thing that's like circular that you see it like on a Ron Popeil commercial or what do you have? I've got both and I actually like the FE a little bit better. What kind of temperatures are you running at? I wouldn't take the jerky over 150 degrees. Now that's cooker temperature. Uh, that F, one of my FEs will run that low. Wow. Okay. Uh, otherwise, you want to make sure that you're staying within that range. It's almost like a that's not a cold smoke by any stretch, but it's kind of a no. a, a, a light a light heat smoke. It, it's not a cold smoke. It's definitely smoking. Uh, but you're going to have to make sure you don't get any bacteria. And if you go super low, you're going to need to make sure that you put it in an oven mm. and get the finishing temperature up to 170, 180. And I don't want to do that at all. So I like to take it about 150. I like a soft jerky. I don't like a real hard jerky. So what's your cook time at? Probably about five and a half to six hours. 
Really? Yep. Holy moly. That seems like an incredible amount of time, but not, not really? No, oh, okay. no. I've done them in four hours in the Effie, and I didn't think it was as good a flavor. So when you had mentioned you like soft jerky or softer mm-hmm. jerky, cooking it longer would give you more jerk uh, feel to it, or is it less? No, it, it dries it out more, and I like my jerky to be long and stringy, mm-hmm. so when I take my top rounds, I cut them with the grain so that when I'm biting into it, it'll break. Oh, okay. So, that, I mean, that seems counterproductive. Wouldn't it be a better bite against? Or are you biting yes. against it? I'm biting against it because uh, of the way okay. I cut it, so yeah. it breaks. It, it snaps yeah. like a yeah, like right. a steak would. Man, oh, man. You got it all covered. Uh, Dave Bosca joining me here on the show, butcherbbq.com. If you want to check it out, if you've never visited before while we're talking, um, I was listening to you interview Kevin green from the butcher shop. And mm-hmm. that was a really great interview. And we'll get into the, the podcasting stuff here in just a second. But uh, one of the things that I thought I remembered about you, and maybe we had talked about it many lifetimes ago, uh, you know, obviously, when I think of Dave Bosca, the the key moment, the pinnacle moment of the Barbecue Central show visits have always been the certified Angus beef uh, rant that you had had, you know, many, many years ago. But during the interview that you had with Kevin, you had mentioned that you had spent a number of years, maybe even 12 years, as somebody that was opening up Sam's Club butcher, like the butcher part of Sam's Club. That was part of your life for many, many years. Yes. How yeah, did you get into that? I was actually over... Say that again. How, how did you get into that? I was running a retail grocery stores right here in Oklahoma City, uh, the meat market. And the very first meat market Sam's ever opened was here in Oklahoma City. The very first Sam's Club was on the other side, Midwest City. But the first set of fresh departments was right in Oklahoma City. Hmm. Um, I went to work there. I worked at the very first one they had. When I started with the company, there was 15 meat markets in the whole system. That's it. That's it. Wow. I moved to New England, opened up a club in Seabrook, New Hampshire, Westboro, Mass, Hudson, Mass, or Hudson, New Hampshire, East Brunswick, New Jersey. Wow, that was an experience. <laughs> <laughs> and came back to Oklahoma, went down to Texas, went to Tulsa for a while, back to Oklahoma City, just kind of traveled all around. Are you a married guy at that point? Um, yes, I was. Are you still married to the same lady? No, I'm not. Oh, did the job kill it? <laughs> no, I can't oh. blame it on the job. It was all me, I'm sure. But you were but you were gone. I mean, you had to but what was it like? They say, "Okay, Dave, we're sending you up to New England and you're going to be up there for a designated period of time and they like put you up in hotels or they put you up in townhomes. How does that work?" Well, I remember when the director of operations came to me and says, "Hey, we've got your club. We need you to go open." And they said, it's going to be Seabrook, New Hampshire. And I said, great. Where's New Hampshire? <laughs> he said, north and east. Yeah, way so north and way downstairs. east. <laughs> yeah, I went downstairs. And that's when we had all the big book rack at the time. And I went down, got the atlas, and I opened it up. And I went, okay, north, east. I went, oh, crap. Yeah. And I had to call the wife and they told her where we was going. And I think they gave me a month to report. And when we first got there, yes, I was in a club front. We didn't have possession of the club yet. We started hiring. I was setting up vendors. 
uh, linen companies, hiring, everything like that. We, we got them trained, got open. I spent about a year there in New Hampshire. So did they say, Dave, you're moving to Seabrook, yeah. New Jersey? Like you're, you yeah. have to leave Oklahoma. This isn't just yeah. like an assignment where you could keep the home in Oklahoma and you're no. part-time in it out there in New Jersey. No, I moved to New Hampshire. The oh, wife, Hampshire. Levi was two years old. <laughs> so that, he's yeah. well-traveled. Oh, yeah, yeah, he has a little tyke. Holy moly. And I remember that first winter, we had like 33 inches of snow, and I'm coming from Oklahoma, and I want to tell you what, I was like shell-shocked. Oh, I it was imagine. crazy. I mean, not to mention the fact that, I mean, this is like a, a collision of a, a guy who couldn't sound and look more like a breadbasket <laughs> of the country going up to New Hampshire, where it's like a completely different lifestyle and the way they talk and the way they yeah. act and how urgent they are up there. I mean, that had to have been a culture shock on both sides. Absolutely. It was on both sides. I remember I was the kind that get on the intercom and go, come on back to the meat market, folks. We've got a great sale going on. Just things like that. I'd say, grab a buggy and come on back. They'd come over there and they'd go, what is a buggy? <laughs> Not a cart, a buggy. I'm like, I'm like you yeah. know, a grocery buggy. Yeah. And I, I remember before we got the club open, we had, it was in our club front and it was a North meets the South. And I asked him, everybody in there, I says, draw a picture of the United States. Now tell me where Oklahoma is. There wasn't, I think maybe one, maybe two knew yeah, where it was. Right. No doubt. And I said, okay, what do y'all think of when you <laughs> think of Oklahoma? Everybody said football. Of course. And then they said Indians. What? Exactly. Indians? Indians. They were, and I was asked more questions like, <laughs> well, do you got to be prepared when you cross the lines? Will the Indians be there? And, and I'm like, really, folks? <laughs> you mean we, we, uh, Oklahoma's the only state where we didn't take all of the shit away from the Indians? <laughs> They're still there roaming around and they'll shoot you with yeah. arrows and take your scalp off, right? And and I remember Holy that was the moly. first time I got to see the ocean. I'd never seen the ocean before. Right. Well, I mean, I, I can see that more than me. At, I mean, so what year are we in where people are asking you if uh, if the Indians are still around? It had to be 92, maybe 93. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I can see people like, you know, my father-in-law has never been in an airplane before. Uh, I know there's people that have never seen the ocean before. But I mean, do you not know one skosh of American history and like how things are present day? Like things didn't just stop in time back then over in Oklahoma. Yeah. You didn't hit like a time streak and it's like a whole different thing over there. Yeah, I agree. And it just blew my mind. I remember one time we had our safety meeting, which Seabrook had the um, nuclear plant. They come over and was giving us a a radio that we put in our cash office and it had different levels on it. And they said, once a week, we're going to come out and have a level five. Don't worry about it. That just means there's some gas going out into the system. Oh. Um, a level four means that there's going to be a little bit more than gas. We may pump some stuff two or three miles out into the ocean. Okay. <laughs> and then they said, there's a level two. Don't go outside. There's a problem. Really? And I said, okay. And I, and I raised my hand. I said, I said, what's a level one? 
They said, you'll never hear the end of the broadcast. <laughs> you hear uh, uh, like a quick beep and that'll be it. Yeah, wow. Exactly. So do you live on the edge at that point or did you, some you get pretty accustomed to pretty quick? No, I didn't have a problem yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, as you're traveling around, was there a favorite spot? I mean, I mean, that has to be tough, right? I mean, you're, you're moving around. If you're only there for a year, you're probably just starting to get roots and friends and really feeling accustomed. And then you got to pack up and go open another set of stores somewhere else. Yeah. We made some real good friends in the meat market. Obviously you work with them every day. I was over the meat market, uh, produce and floral department. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. Wow. So when, and were you just like an opener? So once they felt it was going, then if they were going to expand, you were just the guy they were going to tap or do they go around and start asking people if they want to be the move? I actually was, I was assigned there and my goal was to spend two years there and I was going to try and transfer back to region six, which was right here where I live. Now I ended up staying a little over a year and then the divisional, uh, I'm sorry, regional merchandiser asked me if I would go on the road and, and do some opening. That's how I went to New Jersey and did some down in Mass. Hmm. Was there a favorite place that you stayed at in your travels? I didn't care for Jersey at all. Just it like was, attitude and scenery and the whole deal? It was all big city. It was, yeah, the, the climate, didn't care for it, at least in Seabrook where I was at. To me, it was a lot more city. I mean, I'm sorry, a lot more country. Mm-hmm. I lived in a community about 20, 25 minutes away, commuted back and forth. It was real easy. It was more country view. Uh, we're talking with Dave Boss, getting a little uh, really cool Sam's Club background on him, by the way. Uh, Dave, can I carry you over to another segment? We can actually talk about the podcast stuff. Sure. All right. Stand by. We're talking with Dave Boska from Butcher Barbecue. I will talk to you quickly about my friends over at The Barbecue Guru, longest-running sponsor of the show, the creators of automatic temperature control technology. So if you are in the market, if you have some extra funds from Christmas and you were thinking about getting one but you didn't pull the trigger, head on over to the website, bbqguru.com, and check out what they have to offer. If you have a kettle-style cooker, if you have a bullet-style smoker, if you have a decent-sized offset, they make fans that will uh, blow in the firebox there too as well bunch of different controllers to choose from so if you want something that is more or less like a cruise control for the pit where it'll just keep it at a temperature and that's all you want party cue is something that you're going to want to need something something you want to look at you probably want to need it that's terrible english by the way Uh, you can also check out the more technical offerings that they have to include the cyber cue cloud you can monitor several different internal temperatures you can make adjustments through the app, no matter where you're at, as long as you're connected to the network. You can ramp the cooking temperatures up and down as well. So if things are cooking a little fast or a little slower, increase, decrease, put it on hold so the food stays in the safe zone. It's all great stuff. And again, the website is bbqguru.com, or you can give them a call and ask all your questions, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU, or the website bbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We are back with Dave Bosco right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. 
in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, this portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, pitbarrel.com. The traditional size or the flagship size is back in stock, so if you missed out on the last round, go ahead and get your order in now. They also have a junior size, and at some point uh, this year, maybe in the summer, they're going to be offering a bigger size, maybe into that 50-gallon range. So if you're into the hook convection, Check out pitbarrel.com and order one today. $2.99 delivered to your door. Doesn't get any better than that. And we are rejoined by Dave Boska. Thanks for hanging with me through the day there, pal. So let's talk about the Butcher Barbecue Podcast. I think it was uh, at some point maybe in the Thanksgiving time, I get a text from a Dave Boska saying, hey, can I bend your ear for a second? We'll get on a phone call and you're talking about wanting to start a podcast. So, uh, I mean, I got the inside scoop, but... When did you decide or who are you conversating with prior to a consolatory phone call with me? That's not a word, by the way. And say, hey, I have this idea of doing some kind of a podcast. And then you start to sketch it out and uh, flesh it out. It seems like something you might want to do. And you start to look at it uh, from more of a, hey, let's get this done perspective. What I did, it made me even think about it, was... I'm thinking it was in September. I was asked to do a live Facebook um, pod on a Facebook page for a uh, pellet grill company. They advertised it. They had a lot of people um, tuning in, asking questions. It was going to last hour, hour and 20, 30 minutes. I, I told them I didn't care how long. Let's just answer questions. And at one point, I was about 80 questions behind. No way. Yeah, and it just, they were piling in. We got all caught up. The Q&A ended, and it made me really think. There's got, there's a need. There's people out there that's wanting to know how to do simple cooking, let alone just competition cooking. So I really studied the podcast world. I'd been listening to podcasts in archery for a long time. I listened to yours when I travel. So I knew that this was out there, and I kind of understood the concept and the actual cost factor, you know, it's fairly simple. It's, it's not like you're doing videos and I, I really have a hard time doing videos and getting them edited and then published. It's just hard for a one man operator. Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to do something to give back. I don't do this as a monetary, as far as, I want advertising. I want to do this. Uh, it's it's not what I'm doing it for. I study tons of YouTube's, Facebook. I'm a Mac person, mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out how to make this work with Mac. It's not super simple, but it's it can be done. And that's what I did. I, I bought a separate Mac just for that. Wow. The mic, that, the ear th- stuff, and plugged it in, and let's see what will happen. Is the concept then to interview various people across the industry and then at points say, hey, uh, you know, on these shows, I'm going to be answering questions and on these certain shows, I'm going to be the guy doing the interviewing. How do you separate that? I like it just like what we're doing. I want a phone call. I want a conversation back and forth. I don't want a CNN scripted broadcast. That's not what I like. I think it's 
hard sounding to listen to, I should say. And so I wanted to talk to some of my friends in the business. I want to, I'm sorry, I want the, the listeners to be able to learn from each episode, be it someone in the rub business, someone in the restaurant business, someone in the general merchandise business, and then add comp cooks in. And then I did that live Q and a, it was kind of yuck sounding the, the audio was pretty shitty, but <laughs> it, it is what it is. I put that on a podcast and right now I'm interviewing backyard cooks. They're calling in. We are doing just like what we're doing. I'm editing them and we're going to put them on a podcast for themselves. What's the biggest thing that you've learned getting into Cause I, you know, I don't know how many people we're not big famous stars. We don't have uh, crews of people working behind us. There isn't an engineer behind the camera that I can't see that's off camera right now with you. Uh, there isn't one for me either. Um, but there's a lot of successful podcasts out there that have a team. They're already successful because they were on television or they were radio hosts and they've gotten out of the business or they were fired or whatever. But they have a team of people to make this great sounding podcast right off the bat and they have a huge audience already built in. But in real life, that's not the majority. I mean, the majority of audio podcasts get 125 downloads per episode in a month time frame. So that should tell you that there's a lot of podcasts out there. And if you are getting more than 125 listens per episode, you're probably doing better than the average. So what have you learned in all of this? Uh, getting audio stuff set up, uh, editing audio, uh, how to stage or uh, work your conversation because you just can't go in unprepared that if you're just flying by the seat of your pants you're almost asking for a headache because you don't know how it's going to happen you need some kind of direction so what are some of the biggest things that you've learned as you've started to do this now like 12 uh, 13 14 episodes in or whatever you are i took notes listening to you listening to everyone in the barbecue podcast I soft scripted questions for each and everybody person. Sure. I understood either knew them or had questions that I wanted to ask them. And I just worded them into the conversation. I let them do the talking. That's the number one thing I kept listening to. I'd listened to a few and the host kept cutting off the person. And I'm like, now who's interviewing who? You're interviewing them, but you're trying to talk for them. So I will let my guest just speak, talk, go back and edit. I, the first half a dozen, I didn't do any editing. Mm. It recorded. We put it out. And a few times you'd say, need to edit. And I didn't exactly understand the word edit. What does edit mean when it comes to this? I went back and listened and I heard my, heard myself go, um, um, and, um, and I was like, okay, here we go. I'm catching it. And the last two I've been editing and I hate that. Well, I've, I've always found that if you do a 45 minute interview raw or an hour interview raw, you're obviously in at least an hour of editing and it's usually 
uh, anywhere between 50% more all the way up to, you know, two hours in editing. Because, you know, I have a little bit of an OCD problem. You know, I always want to sound great. And if I'm doing a pre-recorded, it even ramps up worse because now in my brain I go, well, I have no excuse now not to go through enlarge everything and just start, you know, I can, I know what a wave looks like when somebody says, um, or ah, so I look for those and I can go through and delete all those out and not to a point where it's choppy, but the way my crazy mind is, is if I can take some of this out for the listener and make it sound and make my guess, like if the guest listens to the raw stuff and then the finished stuff, I, I can't tell you how many times, because I used to do this uh, thing for Meathead for uh, quite a number of years, some of these raw uh, interviews were painful to get through. But then I would dust them up and play them for everybody, and everybody's like, oh, so-and-so sounds so great. And I would get these messages from my guests to go, I didn't sound like that when we originally did this, but man, you made me sound so good. So uh, editing is its whole, it's, it's the most accomplishing feeling that you can have. And it is literally the most labor-intensive, most pain-in-the-ass portion of the whole podcasting system. You ain't a kid in there. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, who is your favorite interview so far out of the ones you've released? I really enjoyed the way that Levi did the very first one. Yep, agreed. That was a great interview. I think um, Richard with Fergalicious was a good interview. It's easy to talk to those guys that know how to talk, not do and stop and think every time they want to say something just like that. That it's 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 painful. And as a host, you're looking for the way back into the conversation for yeah. you to pick it up. And if you don't know somebody's cadence or you don't have that relationship already built in, that's where a lot of the stepping over people comes into play and uh, you're either doing a lot of rework or a lot of editing to try and tighten that up. That's exactly right. Lene was a good interview. Oh, she's she's a great interview, both uh, recorded or just live. I mean, she can. Uh, she's one of those. Uh, I call them. She's a talker, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But she's definitive. She's passionate. She brings a lot of good energy. Everything from a host perspective, because. In an audible landscape, if the guest isn't excited, then the listener is going to be not so excited. And I'm always thinking of, I don't want to give them an opportunity to decide to tune out because they don't think the guest is invested enough in the interview. And she is a classic example of somebody that is really invested in what she's talking about and the message that she's trying to get across. So from a host perspective, it's real easy for me to kind of, you know, I'm not carrying the weight of that interview by any stretch. Right. We talked probably an hour after we quit recording. <laughs> right. That's probably some of the best stuff that never even made it onto the podcast too, right? Yeah. I yeah. wished we'd, I'd, I mean, I wished I would have had a recording and not even have said anything. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, from a host perspective, Dave, what's been the hardest thing for you? Because, uh, I mean, we don't, we go back a number of years, but we're not like close personal friends. But you strike me as a guy who might be a little bit more reserved and obviously not as uh, over the top as perhaps my personality might be when I'm uh, on the air between 9 and 11. So have there been things that you've had to get out of your comfort zone to uh, in order to be a little bit more gregarious or engaging in the audience? Yes. 
And the number one thing is letting someone say, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm just a dude from Oklahoma that cooked a little barbecue and, and got lucky. Uh, but it's, it's, it's humbling and I'm really excited. And I love talking to people that listen to the podcast and say, I learned so much about this. This last weekend, we had our Oklahoma barbecue society banquet and I had probably 20 people there. I listen every week. I love it. That's what it's about for me. Do you see any problem sticking to the release date of, of once a week? Do you have enough in the can to, to kind of keep that going? No, I don't have enough to say I have it keep it going, but we're just a couple out. Okay, so you have a couple show buffer? Yep. yep. All right. yep. So uh, in 2020, uh, what else are we? What else could we expect as listeners? Because I listen uh, in the morning when I'm getting my running. I've got a few things up my sleeve I'd like to try. I'd like to try two and three comp cookers at one time, very similar to what you've done. Yep, the round table. And yes, but not talk about their cooking. I'd like to talk to some different cooks about how they go about choosing what contest. It's first of the year. Let's figure out how you want to lay your calendar down. Does mm-hmm. work talk about it? Just different things. This week, I'm interviewing my rub producer, the one that I hired to do all my rubs. We're going to interview them. I think that's going to be really good. I think it can be educational for the folks that want to start that, how to go about, what to expect, things like that. Let me ask you one more question before I let you go, and I appreciate the time tonight, Dave. I have an email question from Sean McCulligan. Who says, question for Dave, what would be the one piece of advice that you think would be most beneficial for beginning competitors now? Practice what you're going to cook in a competition. It's really that simple. If you can't afford Wagyu, don't practice with Prime at home and then go to the contest and cook a Wagyu. They cook different. If you... have to go to the store and buy your ribs every time, buy the same ribs for your competition because getting it cooked right is as important as the flavor. You can have something overcooked or something undercooked and you're going to get hit hard Hmm. regardless of what the flavor is. So make sure your cook is cooked properly. Would you suggest somebody taking a competition cooking class or are you not too on board with that? I don't have a problem with classes. Yeah. I host them. We, we've we been to them. Uh, classes really help does take the edge off. Are they still as hot? I mean, I remember, Dave, when we would talk five and six years ago, uh, maybe, I don't know, was it uh, 2010 through 2015, 2016? It just seemed like, you know, if somebody won a couple events in a row, we'd hear about it. Maybe I'd have them on the show. Then the next thing you know, they're out giving a tell-all competition barbecue class. Those seems to have... Uh, dropped off a little bit. I mean, certainly they're still out there, but I don't know if they're as available and with such ferocity as they once were. I made that um, realization this this winter too. I think the last year, the year before, and the last three years back, they were ever every other weekend. It seemed like this winter, it seems like there wasn't as many. Hmm. You think that's a trend that'll continue, or will they? pop back up again or is this kind of a tell all of where the state of competition barbecue is right now no i think they'll come back 
All right. Um, so we can subscribe to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast on all of the various podcast platforms. Go to Apple. Go to Google Podcasts, which is where I listen to it. You can go to Stitcher, all that good stuff. Uh, anything else tonight, Dave, before I let you go? Man, I appreciate it. And just like everything else, man, I appreciate your listeners. You got it. Uh, this is Dave Bosca, the pitmaster of Butcher Barbecue, by the way, world champ at the American Royal. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, pal. Thanks so much. Thanks, Greg. You got it. There he is, Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue. So hopefully he got all your questions answered. I saw a whole bunch of stuff coming into the chat as well. And uh, Sean, hopefully cooking the food right. You know, that reminds me of when we would interview Darren Worth, and he made it a extreme point. And I kind of mentioned it when I talked to some of the other competition cooks at this point now, too. It's flavor profile is a hot term. It's been a hot term for a while now. If you're not cooking the food right, if the tenderness isn't there, that was what Darren was so staunch on. The tenderness has to be there. If it's undercooked, if it's overcooked, it doesn't matter where the flavor profile is because you're going to get dinged. It's not going to matter. But if the tenderness is there, then that's when the flavor profile or the flavoring is something that will then lead to your calls, uh, potential RGCs and GCs, so on and so forth. All right. Uh, again, that was Dave Bosca, Butcher Barbecue. Let's go ahead and get ready to wrap it up. Before we do, let me talk to you quickly about the smoke sheet. Anybody reading the smoke sheet released every week? It's a free newsletter. Keeps you in the know on everything happening in the barbecue world, including top news, events, recipes, and more. Started by Ryan Cooper, a.k.a. Barbecue Tourist on Instagram. And Sean Ludwig, a.k.a. NYC BBQ on Instagram. Both of them traveling around the country to find the best barbecue and report on it. You can sign up for the newsletter and see the full calendar of events when you go to bbqnewsletter.com and sign up. Again, that's bbqnewsletter.com, a great all-in-one resource covering the live fire industry. Smoking Joe, I did say Gregarious, not Greg Arius. Although that should be my name when I get arrested by the cops. What's your name, sir? Greg Arius? Oh, yeah? Who's your friend? Uh, that's uh, Ron Mexico. You ever heard of Greg Arius, Ron Mexico. Together. Once again. All right, if you want to weigh in, do it. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. before you might think you found the best triple x show ever let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today craig rimpy
Welcome back. We are getting ready to head out of here. Thanks again to Dave Bosca for joining me the last two segments. I mean, we've had Dave on any number of times talking about big wins and contests, new products that he's launching. So getting the inside scoop on a previous life before Butcher Bar. I mean, he was the butcher part. But uh, over a lot, I mean, that has to be some. I can't imagine because I've never been in a position job wise where I've had to even consider it to go from where you are in Oklahoma all the way up into the New England area and then through Texas, a couple other stuff, New Jersey he was in, and then finally back to Oklahoma. But holy moly, that is a lot of travel, a lot of uprooting. More than once, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. And I totally didn't even ask him about competitive archery. Get that big stuff out of here. Dave is a highly competitive archer. I think he was. Well, I don't want to misspeak here, Dave. I apologize if you're still listening and pulling your hair out. But I think he got hurt. And he was even at a higher level of archery than he is now. I think he shoots competitively in a league, but that's what eventually got him into competition barbecue was he had to stop competitive archery because of a back issue or maybe it was a shoulder issue, and then he had fallen into competitive barbecue, competitive guy shooting competitive barbecue or uh, shooting competitive archery and said, hey, well, here's something that I can keep the competitive juices flowing, but for whatever reason, it was able to work with his body. That's a whole other segment that we can have with Dave down the road. Great stuff. All right, let's go ahead and beat it on out of here all the way back in the first hour. We talked with Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right and Killer Hogs Barbecue. After Malcolm, we talked with Mark Anderson from The Grill Dads, grilldads.com. 224 is the launch of... Bone In with Mark and Faye, their new podcast, interviewing a bunch of people just like conversation, announcing their launch on the Today's Show. Second hour, both segments, Dave Bosco, wow, talking about Sam's Club and opening the meat side, and he was over produce and flowers and the meat, all that stuff. And also talking about his podcast. So if you don't subscribe to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, do that now at all your podcast locations. They are great listeners. Go grill some pineapple this weekend. Everybody take shots, put them on social media, and tag me at BBQ Central Show on whatever platform you like. And the best ones I'll show on the show next week. Why not? Meathead is in next week, amongst others. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Reppy. Good night now. This is Maddie Reppy from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central.